it's Monday, and that so happens to be the day that I like to talk about monsters. I'm Jeff Arbuckle, and this is Monster Mondays, presented by Film Seizure. Right here in the middle of our Universal Monster Sequels Month, we get the one film that is not the second film in the series, but a third. This week, we're closing out the Boris Karloff trilogy of Frankenstein films with Son of Frankenstein from 1939. Now, Son of Frankenstein is a little bit of an anomaly. It's very well liked, with some even going so far as to say it's the best of the first three films in the Frankenstein franchise at Universal. However, many will also still admit that yes, it does tilt towards the side of silly, particularly with some of the -the over-the-top reactions that Basil Rathbone has and the child actor that's in this film being uh, almost like he's just kind of talking, not actually saying lines or anything. It's, It's... it's it's interesting, but still, some would say that that silliness is actually still well-directed. This is the first film in the series that is not directed by James Whale. This came in a particularly odd time for Universal. In 1936, Universal ousted the Lamleys, Carl Sr. and Jr. So with that, Universal seemed to move away from wanting to do horror of any kind. And it was a pretty much looked down upon genre and completely cut out of the Universal Studios lineup for 1937 and 1938. Add to that an embargo that prevented American horror films from being exported to England, and Universal just wasn't interested anymore. That led to Universal's heavy hitters, Boris Karloff and Bela Lugosi, to go through a bit of a career slump. However, plans changed for Universal when a Los Angeles movie theater, also going through a pretty desperate slump, decided to swing for the fences and show a triple feature of Dracula, Frankenstein, and King Kong. This went over like gangbusters and saved that theater from bankruptcy. When other theaters across the country did the same thing, it proved that Americans still wanted horror. Universal changed their minds and decided to greenlight a big-budget Frankenstein sequel. And like I said, they had to do that without James Whale, though, because he no longer wanted to do horror. Instead, Roland V. Lee stepped in to direct and decided to explore more dramatic themes like family, isolation, and responsibility. Originally, the film was going to be shot in color, but that later changed because of budgetary problems. But it does explain why Karloff's monster wears this kind of what you can assume is probably like a green fur vest that we hadn't seen before. Also, the monster himself is changed from the previous film. He can no longer speak and seems much dumber than we last saw him in Bride of Frankenstein. And that's explained away by stating that there was a lightning strike that disabled the monster's motor functions. This also marks the first appearance of Igor, played by Bela Lugosi. And I'll be talking a lot more about him later. The movie opens outside the old Frankenstein place. Igor lives there and is often feared by the town's children as kind of like a ghoul or a, a, a ghost story or something. The town is preparing for Baron Wolf von Frankenstein, played by Basil Rathbone, to arrive to claim an inherited box from his father as well as the land that Castle Frankenstein sits upon. The town is not looking forward to his arrival and having another Frankenstein running about. On the train, Wolf and his wife Elsa is on their way with their small son Peter. They discuss how Wolf's father created the creature with an abnormal brain and how the town never really forgave him. When they get to the town, they get a pretty cold shoulder. Wolf tries to make friends with the villagers by saying that he's there to not do what his father did and that he's there to be their friend and to help the town heal, but 
they just ultimately kind of walk away from him. Upon arrival at Castle Frankenstein, Wolf reads a letter from his father, Henry, wishing him a better life than he had. After they settle in, the Frankensteins get a visit from Inspector Krogh. Krogh is played by Lionel Atwill. And one of the more memorable things about Krogh is that he's best known for inspiring the Kenneth Mars character in Young Frankenstein. Krogh has this fake right arm from an attack by the monster when he was younger. The monster just simply ripped the arm right off of his body. But Krogh is there to check in on this new Frankenstein family and to see if Wolf is interested in doing stuff with creating a new monster or finding the monster and reviving him, stuff that his father might have done. Krogh also says that there have been six unsolved murders recently from heavy blows to the back of the head and ruptured hearts. Wolf, though, says that he has no intention to restart his father's work or add any more pain to the town. But Krogh says he will still do whatever he can to help protect the family, even if Wolf says that he won't need any protection whatsoever from the villagers. What the Frankensteins are not aware of is that there is an additional person in the house creeping between the walls and lurking outside the windows. And of course, that's Igor. While Wolf is exploring the castle and the various rooms, including the main laboratory just above a bubbling pit of hot sulfur, he's nearly killed by Igor when Igor rolls a large rock onto or near Wolf. Igor is deformed with a broken neck, and he says that he was hanged once, and it broke his neck, but he didn't die. He says that he was hanged because he was accused of stealing bodies. Now, the way he says this is kind of interesting. He says, I was hanged for stealing bodies, they say. Meaning, uh, he totally was stealing bodies, but the town, he's just playing off that the town is only claiming that he did so. The townsfolk uh, tossed him into the Frankenstein castle instead of the original plan of burying him where he committed a lot of his crimes. Igor takes Wolf down to the catacombs beneath the castle to show him the monster. And Igor calls the monster his friend and that he does things for him, but he's also very sick from being struck by lightning. Seeing the monster energizes Wolf to help make his father's creation better. This, of course, makes the village kind of nervous as they notice lots of large boxes and crates being moved into the old laboratory. Plus, that Igor guy is helping out with all this moving around and the various shenanigans. Wolf discovers two bullets in the monster's heart, as well as various scrapes, bruises, and cuts. He also discovers that each of the monster's blood cells seem to operate almost independent of each other. So, the monster is quite unique and really kind of inhuman. Igor is ultimately interrogated by the town about what's going on over at the Frankenstein place. And he doesn't really give them much of anything and even says that this new Frankenstein is a pretty good chap. And they say that if something does happen there and he doesn't tell them, they'll hang him a second time and make it sure that it sticks. Wolf is able to revive his father's monster using large amounts of electricity, at least for a brief moment, but the monster ultimately falls back into his coma. Later, while Wolf is on his walk, Krog comes over for afternoon tea with Elsa. And she reveals that Wolf's been pretty deep into an experiment. Krog is not only suspect of this work, but he's heard a little bit about it beforehand, thanks to an inside man he has in the castle, who's pretty nervous about all the goings-on, particularly with Igor being there, with all of the equipment moving in, and so forth. 
After Wolf comes home and explains why he chose to work in his father's old lab, Peter comes in saying that he didn't really get much sleep during his afternoon nap because a giant came in and woke him up. Wolf realizes this is probably most definitely his father's creature that woke up his son and moved around and got away from the lab. When he gets back to the lab, the monster is gone, as is Igor. Now, while Wolf tries to mix something up in the lab to deal with this situation, the monster returns and nearly strangles Wolf, but he ultimately changes his mind. The monster seems a little disoriented and confused until he sees himself in the mirror and has a little bit of a realization. Eventually, Igor returns and explains that the monster is now alright again thanks to Wolf. However, Igor has a strange amount of control over the monster. And Wolf says that he may be physically well, but he is not mentally well. But Igor says he's well enough for him, and Wolf will not touch the monster again. Wolf says he has to keep the monster in the lab or under in the catacombs, but Igor just says that, yeah, sure, I'll do that, and then laughs kind of sinisterly. Right away, Igor has the monster go out to commit murders for him, and it turns out that the people that Igor sends the monster out after were the jurors at Igor's trial for grave robbing. As the bodies pile up, the villagers start to get a little testy and want to threaten to take action against Wolf and the new Frankenstein family. While Krog is constantly hanging around the Frankenstein castle and Wolf's mental state deteriorates, Peter reveals to the inspector that the giant gave him a pocket watch, one that kind of heightens Krog's suspicions. And it turns out that the pocket watch belonged to the butler at the castle that Igor had the, the monster kill for him. After the inspector finally leaves, Wolf rushes to the lab to destroy the monster, but Igor says that if he tries to do something to the monster, something bad will happen to Wolf. So now the inspector is still around all the time, Igor is a jerk, the monster is killing people on command, and the villagers are getting pretty nutty. Krogh claims he already searched the castle and found nothing incriminating or really out of the ordinary except for a super large table. And Wolf tries to blame the murders on Igor, but when Krogh kind of balks at that, he goes to the lab and shoots Igor about three or four times, apparently killing him. And when the monster finds the body of his so-called friend, he lets out this pained howl. And the monster freaks out and starts trashing the laboratory and throwing everything into the sulfur pool. And he even considers murdering little Peter, but ultimately drops Peter when confronted by Krog. Wolf ultimately knocks the monster into the sulfur, apparently to the creature's demise until the box office receipts come in. So let's get to my three things I like about Son of Frankenstein. First... The set design of Castle Frankenstein's interiors is both minimalist and extremely fascinating. It relies on heavy use of shadow. However, there's practically nothing in the rooms. What furniture is there feels stretched and awkward in proportion. I have to believe that the production design of the film followed a lot of German expressionist filmmaking that was popular for horror films in the silent era. And it probably also had to do with rush production, too, because once the box office receipts came in from those triple features that theaters were running across the country, they immediately greenlit this movie and, like, rushed it into production. So it's a little bit of lack of budget, lack of ability to build the sets out to be much more elaborate, and partially then saying, okay, well, if we can't do that, then let's try this German Impressionist kind of theory. 
and I'm actually really glad that the film was not shot in color as it probably would have ruined these sets or possibly it was a case of these sets being decorated in this way because like I said the budget could really only shoot in black and white so it's it's obviously a budget sense but it, it does ultimately help this movie because it you know once they realized what they had and what they were doing and what they could do I think that's when you know let's let's take a look at some of these old silent movies that that really kind of twisted proportions and had long shadows and stuff like that it's, it's a fascinating movie to look at second Bela Lugosi's Igor is brilliant in this movie as much as he is synonymous with Dracula I think he is even better in this film he's almost unrecognizable and he is a powerful force to be reckoned with in this film there's one point when he's explaining how Frankenstein got into the condition he's in. And he's telling this story that starts by him saying he was out hunting. And the way that he says it is just so eerie. Obviously, the monster was out to commit murder and for Igor. He's also funny when dealing with the townsfolk. He almost rubs it in that they failed to kill him by hanging. And he even coughs on them and tells him that sometimes he gets a bone in, stuck in his neck and has to cough. It's great. Uh, it, it, Lugosi is truly amazing in this film. And I think as my third positive for this film, it's worth mentioning that Basil Rathbone is pretty great in this. And Rathbone would go on to be far better known as Sherlock Holmes in 14 films starting in 1939, just about two months after the release of Son of Frankenstein. Now, I'm not sure how he felt about starring in horror films. Aside from this film, he was also in Tower of London and The Black Cat, which were also released later on VHS under the Universal Classic Horror banner. I think he found his niche as Sherlock Holmes more than anything, but I'm not too sure how he felt about the horror genre in general. I say that because I feel he ultimately reminds me quite a bit of Peter Cushing, who played Dr. Frankenstein in the Hammer Horror Run, that remade all the classic monster movies. And I wonder if Cushing purposely evoked Rathbone's portrayal of Wolf von Frankenstein. Uh, but with Rathbone and Son of Frankenstein, it adds a little bit of gravitas to the movie that helps make this a little bit more than just a third Frankenstein picture. He starts off as a hopeful, somewhat youthful scientist who then starts spiraling down into the abyss thanks to Igor's nudging to help his father's creation. Then, as it grows beyond his control, his psyche kind of crumbles until he finally finds what he needs to deal with the problems, namely Igor and the monster. It's a good turn, and it's like having Claude Rains in your movie. It's going to raise the bar a little bit for your, for your film. Oh, and Rathbone's pencil mustache had to be the inspiration for Gene Wilder's stash in Young Frankenstein. I know he is Frederick Frankenstein in that, but considering that he has curly hair and Peter had curly hair in this movie and Young Frankenstein was released 35 years later, it almost seems like that this is all lining up correctly in terms of age and so forth. So maybe Frederick was born after all this movie's shenanigans, but either way, there's wonderful little correlations that you can draw between Son of Frankenstein and Mel Brooks' Young Frankenstein. That wraps up this week's Monster Mondays. Don't forget to check out new episodes of Film Seizure every Wednesday and a new installment of Monster Mondays each Monday on FilmSeizure.com as well as places where fine podcasts are found like SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. Additionally, hop on over to Facebook and Twitter 
to follow us by just searching for Film Seizure. You can also check out new posts at my website, bmovieinima.com, each and every Friday. So, until next week, stay spooky. <laughs>